All right, hello and welcome to episode 26 of what we're listening to. My name is Josh. I am one of your hosts and with me as always is my friend and progenitor of the performance art tantrum, Asher. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. I thought that was Moby, right? In that video. <laughs> Just uh, getting all his feelings out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but really, it's all based off the work you did back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also have to interrupt and say that it is a happy birthday to what we're listening to. Ooh. I believe it was a year ago that you said, welcome to what we're listening to, episode one, August 3rd and 4th, <laughs> which you meant to say April 3rd and 4th. And so I think that lines up. It's the fourth here and the third for you. So happy birthday, mate. That's wild. Happy birthday. It is wild. Crazy. Well, here we go. One year in, and I have another quiz for you. <laughs> Great. So this this week I gave you the album um, This Will Destroy You by This Will Destroy You. Mm-hmm. And as you have noticed, they're quite cinematic, and people have also noticed this and decided to use them in films. Um, the song The Mighty Rio Grande has been in how many films? Oh. One, two, three, or four. Because I, I recognize it from a TV show. Um, okay, I think that's counted in this list. I'm going to go three. Uh, the answer is four. Ugh. You're very close. It's been in Moneyball, Earth to Echo, Room, and in the series Lethal Weapon. Is that encompassing what you've heard? I think it's in Friday Night Lights as well. Really? Ooh, okay, Wiki needs some updating then. Wiki needs updating. I think it's where so, I recognize it from. The answer might be five then. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I'm wrong, so it doesn't matter. Sorry. Um, if you haven't heard this track, uh, it is quite a beautiful track and mm. lends itself to very moving moments, I think, um, in cinema. And I first heard about it. No, yeah, I mean, I'll get on to how I heard about This Will Destroy You, but the, the funny joke is that they got a little bit more popular when Tom Hiddleston tweeted them out. This song was one of his favourites or something like that. What? And so and so then all the comments on the bottom of the video were like, Loki's Army's here, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and that's about as much of my Marvel trivia that I know. Congratulations to me. <sighs> okay. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, yep. Did you have any follow-up that you want to... Um, I have, I don't know. I guess I'd call it music news that I've noticed over the last couple mm. of weeks. Not that it's follow-up. Um, I saw that people are starting to sign up and plan for the Lollapalooza Festival next year, I think. Oh, um, cool. As like, kind of like the first like huge big stadium gig, and that's kind of terrifying to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about festivals at the moment. We just had Blues Fest here cancelled. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lollapalooza is usually pretty huge down in uh, Chicago. Right, yeah. I know Bandcamp's doing a lot of stuff with their online gigs, so, yeah. you know. But uh, hopefully things start to clear up a bit in the States. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I don't want to get too um, political here. <laughs> No, probably the uh, other thing was the Radiohead TikTok that I managed to find. Um, yeah. Whilst also not that? being on TikTok, but I heard about it. Um, yeah, you sent me some 
I think it was some Twitter link. Yeah. Usually and TikTok is ripped to Twitter. And usually Radiohead do things like this when they want to confuse people. Um, and so the two oh, big rooms are either they're working on something or it's uh, something to do with the anniversary release of potentially um, an Amusiac and okay, uh, Amusiac and Kid A stuff together. Um, yeah. Because they did a 25th anniversary. Kid a. Yeah. You haven't listened to Kid A? No, I might finally get Kid A on vinyl or something. Oh, vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, in, I've owned it for a long time. They have it in like a half disc form. I don't know what it's called, like 33. Yeah, yeah I've, I remember one time we were in JB and I found that. It was all, it's not quite a 7 inch, but it's not quite a 12 inch. So, yeah. Anyway. And as a huge nerd, I will listen to all the extra stuff they put on that record. Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be really, really interesting. I mean, maybe you'll get some like early versions of Burn the Witch. Ooh. Is that from, okay. that was from uh, Kid A, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember getting that quiz wrong, so I've learned now. <laughs> okay, returning information. How about you? You got any catch yeah. up? Uh just a couple of pieces. I was listening through the po- uh, the the playlist and um I listening to all your punk um recommendations. Oh yeah. Um Fiddlehead are very comforting. Like um I mean, you also now that we're releasing the playlist a, a week early, People will know, like, you gave me Pup. And so I've been really enjoying a lot of punk this week and just how much of a warm hug punk is in some (laughs) ways. I know that's like an antithesis to what sometimes the persona of punk is, but I always just find it so nostalgic and comforting. Um, So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Also, Home Is Where are very cool. Um, they are totally neutral milk. And I know what you mean by folk punk. Um, yeah. So good classifications. I had the same thoughts. Um, Big Nothing didn't really grab me though, um, but I enjoyed the others. So, uh, And lastly, I mentioned just briefly in my honourable mentions um, an artist named Dave Skipper who released an album called Elijah, and I'd only listened to a bit of it. And I felt like I needed to properly kind of, um, yeah, chat about it. So it's a noise album. Um, he's like modular synths and, uh, yeah, crazy amounts of distortion and, and <laughs> field recordings and stuff. And um, this album goes through the Book of Kings um, with the prophet Elijah. And, and it's pretty crazy. I haven't read the notes as I've listened along, but like very I like noise when it has a narrative, I think. Yeah. Um, Just by itself, you kind of feel a little lost. Um, But this was very interesting. So, yeah, worth a listen. Just as like a little dip your toes in the the water of like noise experimental avant-garde music. So, yeah, (laughs) pretty cool. That's that's all my follow-up though. Have... um... Did I ever share with you the band Andrew Jackson Jihad or AJJ as they now yes. call themselves? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I need. To, I've got it like on my to fully listen to. Yeah. But I, I thought that was quite interesting. The cover They're always co- reminds me of Watership Down, but then I know, oh, it's, <laughs> it's really intense, like acoustic music. Yeah. Well, it's that's kind of like the the folk punk granddaddies in some regard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you sent that to me a few years ago when I was yeah. listening to Even Oxen for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Review time. Reviews. All right. So I have been uh, going through the latest full album release from a band called Pine Grove, uh, who are an American kind of alt country folk rock indie group that I've paid attention to a while ago, but haven't quite caught up with in a little bit. And uh, it's kind of hard to explain how I feel about this album. I think, I don't think it does anything particularly special in terms of their actual catalog. There's nothing standout-ish about this record, Uh, but it's still consistent and well put together. Like a lot of the same elements that are good on other records of theirs, you will find on this record as well. Hmm. Um, Like you still have a lot of like the mixed time, and smart lyrics and nice harmonies and instrumentation of like the roots variety, like pedal steels and banjos and that kind of fun stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I, it's been a couple of years since I listened to one of the records. So I was kind of wanted to check in and see how they were doing. And this record, oh uh, yeah, it's kind of like a bit of an eh, but the real reason I wanted to talk about them is that they put out a concert on YouTube during the pandemic last year. And I think that is really good. Um, mm. Yeah, I I like Pungrove a lot when they play live. That's kind of where I first started actually paying attention to them years ago. Because uh, they kind of, I don't know, it, it's a, it, they, they pull off the elements of their records really well. And the whole thing's like, it's mixed well, and they do a lot of effort in the concert. Like, there's kind of these color themes and... Um, mm. It's presented interestingly, and like the harmonies are pulled off really nicely. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of I stumbled across that, and I was like, okay, I should check out and see how they're doing record wise. So I think this is like an okay place to start, but if you have like an extra hour to spend, the concert's really interesting, or at least I think it's kind of the well, the the best thing they put out in the last couple of years. Yeah, I know. I totally get that. I. It was interesting. I kind of felt the same, like it wasn't amazingly complex. And I kind of put that down to maybe I just don't understand their context and like where they've Mm. come from and where they're going and that sort of thing. I did think it was very beautiful. Like, and I've got gotten down like, man, you were listening to some beautiful music at the moment. Like you've, (laughs) you've kind of been listening to a whole bunch of bands that have been really, really lovely and have these great arrangements. Yeah. There were some standout things like Spiral kind of attracted me with that interesting short song um constant like stream of consciousness lyric and then just stops i thought that was quite fascinating and then they also ended with this instrumental folk ambient track and so there were things on there that were quite different and new but Mm. the soft alt country folk vibe didn't really grab me i yeah just wasn't digging it at the moment and so they, maybe yeah, they have more they have more upbeat songs than their other records i think um, okay yeah 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 so i i like pine grove and i uh surprisingly enjoy the lyricism of the lead singer quite a bit i think he picks words cleverly yeah, even though yeah. a lot of the time they are very self-reflective so that kind of it kind of gets samey after a while but uh yeah i mean if you're going to start somewhere, this album's as, as good as anywhere. And it's yeah. still it's still pretty nice to listen to, like you said. Yeah, it it's very comforting. Like it it feels very 
soft and warm and I enjoyed things like, um, uh, yeah, I like the build at the end of Neighbor. Like, mm. it, you know, it's kind of a bit too soft at the start, but then they kind of take songs places which I don't expect. And I was like, oh, this is kind of, this is really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get what you mean. And, and um, if you send me the link or you probably have. Um, <laughs> so was, um, That's right. I'll I'll have another look uh, yeah. in the next two weeks. Their their concert, I think it's called Amperland New York, or even their like tiny desk performance is really good too. They have a lot of really mm. uh, well put together live stuff that I cool. think is worth checking it out. Um, but yeah, Pine Grove are pretty great. I've I've been a fan of this for a while. Nice. I've never heard of them. Sorry. That's no, right. How about you, sir? Um. So I've been. Um, I I'm, take a long time to get there, but I eventually l- listen to albums that I've had on my list for a while. Mm. And um, this album is called New Spirit by PVT. PVT are an Australian electronic trio. Um, they've been around a, f- a fair while. They used to be called Pivot. Um, and I saw them open for Sigaros in 2008 uh-huh. and kind of logged them away in the back of my mind to check out. I didn't at the time, you know, poor student money was going towards bands I really, really knew and liked. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I'll, I'll check them out a bit later. And um, I, yeah, when I was in Canada, they came out with this album called New Spirit. Um, and they'd had a few albums before, but it kind of attracted me with this interesting Australian flora and fauna theme. Mm. Um, the album cover is a, a gum leaf Um in a, a gold gum leaf kind of inverted in on itself. And then a lot of the like shots on the back cover from the blue mountains. And a lot of the songs kind of are reflective on kind of like winter in New South Wales kind of thing. And so maybe it was the, you know, wanting a bit of the um, uh, antipathy and feel when I was in Canada, I gave it a little bit of a listen, but then I thought I'd probably, get back to it here and so I had listened to this full album and it is quite an interesting release um you and I both had the same thought it kind of reminds us of some Lux like yeah there's some elements of lots of use of synthesizers and like drum machines and that sort of thing um but it just didn't pull off what Sun Lux does I suppose um you you were probably a little bit more harsh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of fair. I um they have a a very interesting bass, but don't quite go anywhere with it. Um Yeah. It, they're not yeah. really songs in the same way Sunlux does. Like, yeah. Sunlux will make a song as the primary focus and then the textures need to complement it. Whereas PVT kind of focus a lot on the textures and the synthesizers and beats and stuff. And they're actually kind of new-ish to singing. Like Pivot was mainly instrumental as far as I understand. Like, um, And then they started adding more and more vocals. And the thing is I found the vocals the weakest part of this album. Um, Kind of just a bit boring and a bit naive lyrically. so I focused, I enjoyed more the sounds and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, yeah it, 
I kind of was like, um, okay, songs I really digged. Um, I really liked um, Morning Mist, Rock Island Bend, which is this nine-minute epic. Um, And you you watched the video for that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That that was to be one of the more standard ones as well. Um, Yeah. Also because, like, the the whole thing is uh, vocally dubbed twice with, like, an octave lower, which is not what you usually anticipate. Um, So it's this weird kind of, like going on in the background yeah. while you have this like crazy dance song starting to build up over nine minutes um yeah. and then you watch the music video and it's like a guy in like a ghillie suit jumping around the mountains and swinging ferns at things <laughs> yeah i kind of dig that i like yeah i like how they kind of went all the way with you know australian <laughs> flora, uh, flora and fauna because the next song, or is it the next song? It's called Kangaroo. And yeah. it's almost it's almost kitschy in like calling a song in an Australian album Kangaroo. Um, but then the video clip for that is actually all these like ridiculous shots of like the 1980s Olympics in Australia where or something where they had this big kangaroo that's like moved by four people or something. It's and so it's kind of playing on these stereotypes, but then they've written this like really interesting synth, like dancey sort of song with this really constant, um, like uh, swung synth line. I just thought it was really interesting. Mm. Um, I don't know what the lyrics are about at all, <laughs> so <laughs> I I didn't really do a good job on like focusing on what the the lyrics were about. Oh, and we we're about to, you might have mentioned. Um, Morning Mist Rock Island Bend is kind of like got that LCD sound system towards yeah. the end. You were texting me last night. Yeah, but the, the the end, like third of the song, has the same kind of rhythm and bleeps and bloops that an LCD sound system reminds me of. Well, it's like the first track on um, Sound of Silver. Yeah, from memory. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I really liked that. I thought it was cool. My yeah, my two, three favorite songs are Morning Mist, Kangaroo, and the last song, which is called Fake Sun in China. Um, really great music. And again, though, really boring lyrics and just a bit, a bit silly. So I don't know. <laughs> I found the lyrics always a bit silly. And there's a song called Murder Mall on here, which is dramatic. And I don't know if it's because I saw on their Twitter that they dig scott walker but it reminds me of a scott walker piece like this over- get, out of, get scott walker out of here man <laughs> hey hey he's had a long legacy man you gotta third you gotta respect that <laughs> third week in a row it's fine um but i i kind of was feeling like it was just a bit too overly dramatic um yeah anyway that's a bit of a disparate review but like i recommend checking out this album for those three tracks which i really like um i don't know i don't think this did as well as their other albums because it's not coming up as very high on their most played songs on spotify but i kind of like it i like what they tried to do and i like what they did do so yeah i need to check out a bit more of uh, pvt but um if you're interested in like looking at their old stuff, there's a really cool album called Oh Soundtrack My Heart. And the title track of that is one of their most famous. And also 
Um, there's some other cool ones on there as well. But yeah, that's yeah, right. that's kind of me. <laughs> let's uh, let's pivot to homework then. Cool. <laughs> I haven't actually re-listened to this album, but I've listened to it so many times. I'm pretty sure I can handle it. Um, <laughs> I gave Josh, as I said at the start of the show, the self-titled album by Texas rock uh, post rock band. Um, this will destroy you. And um, this was their album from 2007. It's their second full-length album. And it's probably my favorite of theirs. It's the most kind of like steady. And it's kind of a classic, um, not a classic, but it's it's got that post-rock sound kind of really down pat um, with glittery guitars and like yeah. interesting little drum machines and th- bits of synths and that sort of thing. Tell me what you thought of This Will Destroy You by This Will Destroy You. Yeah. Um, I I find it uh, a little bit difficult to form uh, an opinion on this kind of music uh, by and large. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's a bit too long or a bit too unfocused for me. Uh, but out of the post-rock things you've given me and that I've listened to, this is probably the one I enjoyed the most. Hmm. Um, because you gave me uh, what's the other one? Um, Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Yeah, and that was, I don't know, that was a little more uh sparse and weird in some fashion. And this is kind of, as you said, more classic. Like it has the guitars and the buildups and the important transitions and songs that are still like eleven minutes long, but don't quite feel that way all the time. They're still kind of rock songs, but just without words in yeah. some ways. So I was I was doing some reading about what people thought about this album on the, the post-rock Reddit boards. Mm. Um, and kind of the general consensus was people liked it, but said they didn't, uh, it didn't revolutionize anything in the post-rock music, uh, which I can kind of get behind, I think. It, ma- it makes sense. Mm. Uh, I read that early iterations of the band also had singing parts. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they tried. I, I don't know. I find that interesting. I, th- I always kind of assume people set out to make this kind of music from the get-go. Like, hey, let's start a post-rock <laughs> band and make like nine-minute songs that are big and cinematic, but like don't really have any contextual lyrical meaning behind them. Uh, but to hear that they kind of started off in the other direction is interesting to me. Well, yeah, I, I guess. I think that sometimes bands just evolve. I mean, if I was to start a post-rock band, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to put lyrics in there every now and then, but um, it would be predominantly instrumental. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So as you said, on this record, you get a lot of guitars, a lot of layers, a lot of pedals and effects. This is pretty full on most of the time, uh, which I do enjoy. Though weirdly, I found myself... Uh, liking the slower songs a lot more, the quieter songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Villa de Refugio. Mm-hmm. Pardon my terrible pronunciation. I don't know and, what that's supposed to say anyway. And like the first half of the Mighty Rio Grande, I think are both great. They're probably the, okay. the two most standout parts of the album to me. And most people seem to dislike the Villa song. Um, 
but I Miller kind of hints at what they do later on, where they do yeah, okay. a lot more washy stuff. Um, and it's yeah, it's a bit more. So there are a few. One of the guys in this band, he's no longer a part of this little story, but Christopher Royal King is much more of an ambient dude. And so okay. that's kind of like him speaking at that moment from my perspective. Yeah. So a lot of these songs will like build into just huge amounts of noise and frankly, some aspects of chaos. And it's hard to keep track of a song at that point for me. And I think <laughs> when you start really small and really kind of tight in your composition and then you build slowly, it's easier for me to appreciate where you're going, I think. And yeah, that's kind of what those two smaller songs do. They don't they don't build into just noise. They build into something intentional. Uh hmm. and I kind of get that the the loudness and the chaos is actually one of the points people enjoy about this music in its like extremes uh a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really dig the big kind of moments of the song where you get to kind of experience all the parts all together and it's the emotional build i i really like that too so yeah i yeah so it's cool if you don't like it it's fine yeah i think it maintains the tension more for me if you start from somewhere smaller uh and build something intentional so i don't know i from from my two cents i I could i feel like this genre needs a bit of a shake-up for me to be interested in it um Hmm. What's the, you said it at the top of the show. Uh, forget the words. Like, it's hard to put meaning to these songs, or if you do, it's all interpretive, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you have a song like The Mighty Rio Grande, and it could be. Oh, yeah, be, you need a narrative to noise. Yeah. Like, you could, yeah, that's, that's what you said. Like, it could be like, oh, this is a a song about someone flying in a helicopter over the Rio Grande and just enjoying this massive range or, you know, all these movies and shows are using it as like a build up emotional thing. And really the song has such an interpretive meaning that I don't quite enjoy it as much because of that. Like I want, I want, I want meaning behind the noise, the, as you said, um, Hmm. the narrative. So I don't know, like, I don't know what post post rock is going to evolve into, but I'd love to well, see like people use these great, you know, great textures and techniques and wonderful sounds to build to something really interesting. Hmm. You know, something interesting about almost a year ago, very early on in the start of the show, I reviewed one the the album that came after this tunnel blanket. Okay. And I talked about how, what actually happened was that after self-titled, they kind of wanted to shun the post-rock label. Mm. And then Tunnel Blanket was like almost the antithesis of post-rock. There was like no melody. So they <laughs> almost, w- they just went like, and they didn't have the glitteriness at all. Everything was kind of like very distorted and dark. And some of the songs had no build. They went from zero to a hundred. And so, like, they kind of tried to go the opposite direction. Mm. And I don't think you'd like that either. No. They eventually started settling back down 
if you think about like zero being center and then like all far right is like 100% all far left is kind of like zero, um, not politically, obviously, but like, <laughs> you know, they've settled probably a bit further right to like lots biggish builds, but not as big as self-titled or tunnel blanket and yeah. not like left as becoming ambient. Um, I think it's a tricky genre. I, for yeah. one, kind of, I have no problem with this album and connecting with the songs, even though there are no lyrics and the story is interpreted on my own. I feel like for me, the melodies are enough to kind of give me the story. Whereas what I was talking about with noise um, is that because it's really, really hard to have any sort of key or definition of sound, you do need a lot more of a narrative. Whereas with this, I feel like the songs kind of carry themselves in terms of the, the arc of the, sto- the song mm. and I can connect with that. And I found it harder to connect with the album afterwards, which was much less structure and melody and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, Mate, yeah. Yeah. I feel like if this, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to compress it in my head. If you, if you merged like this band with the building blocks of like Pink Floyd and you have mm. these two like largely experimental kind of large form song builds with melodies that are like quite large and sparse in some way. Um, mm. but you still marry it to, um, a theme, a lyrical narrative sometimes. I think like that's the difference between this album and like a dark side of the moon per se, where you have like, like sounds and lyrical expression in between some songs, which really give it more oomph, I think for me. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really <laughs> tricky because have you ever listened to, um, uh, dream theater no okay so dream theater are mainly instrumental they're far more showy and complex obviously yeah. they have a singer who comes in every now and then so one of their favorite famous songs is uh, a change of seasons it's almost half an hour long and <laughs> the singer comes in and out like i've seen this perform live like on youtube and stuff and he'll come in for one part and then leave and that sort of thing. I couldn't stand the parts where he comes in. It might be his vocal style, much more like, you know, kind of big hair, um, uh, <laughs> rock and roll of the 80s sort of thing. But like, I just wanted to experience the music by itself. And if I want to listen to a song, I don't know, this is becoming an episode where we critique vocals and songs. Like with EBT, yeah. I kind of would... I'd kind of like it without, and then, I don't know. Or if they're going to do it, do it more complimentary. But for me, I don't know if vocals would have worked with This Will Destroy You. I mean, I need to check who the other, what other, like, um, post-rock bands have vocals. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, like, cut and paste vocals onto no. these songs, but these... Kind of, kind of use these building blocks that they have of making these like wonderful tonal qualities and put them with something. Um, yeah. But I don't think I've thought about this enough to put it into words. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, you're opening, I, opening up a can of worms. <laughs> by, by and large, I enjoyed this album. Uh, the electronic percussion on the second last song kind of surprised me a little bit. I was not expecting that um, from such a guitar subject yeah. band. Yeah. 
It's okay. Um, it's it's not amazing, but it's it's clever. But yeah, th- this album definitely has its moments where it's like quite beautiful, and I really, really like the Villa de Refugio song. That that'll cool. actually make its way onto some playlists of mine that I listen to regularly. I'm so surprised. It's so ambient. <laughs> yeah, it. it I, I, t- I said this to you. It reminds me a lot of a Nine Inch Nails song. Oh, um, ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, like kind of. I don't know. It's more relaxing. Anyway. Well, maybe I should have gone with one of their later albums. I don't know. I can never <laughs> quite pick you, but that's okay. Um, sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so uh, your turn, sir. I gave uh, Asher the third album by Toronto-based punk rock band Pup called Morbid Stuff. This came out ooh, 2019, 2018. I forget, actually. Um, probably Canadian and a whole lot of fun. Uh, I heard about this band from a project they released on the internet where they gave out the lyrics and chord chart to a song, a single they were going to release oh, yeah. that nobody had heard yet. And then they're going to ask people to play the song as they thought it would sound or how they wanted it to sound and then <laughs> send the video back to Pup and they would like mesh them together and then release their own music video, which they did. Um, oh, so that's man. kind of how I heard about this band. But they're. Probably the best thing to come out of Toronto for a long time, if you ask me, as a filthy Western Canadian. So what did you think about Pup, sir? So I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch those videos. I've just been focusing on the album itself. Um, and as I said right at the beginning of the show, I've been really enjoying punk. Like, even though it seems like punk is supposed to be really, like... Um, like all about anarchy and not very um, <laughs> friendly. I was like, this is so lovely to listen to. Yeah. It's, it's strangely like this, this album is like one of the happiest nihilistic albums I've heard in a while. Yeah. Like the lyrics are so dark, you know, morbid stuff. Like the first track is so like deliberately harsh lyrically, but so much fun musically. <laughs> and they've got great riffs. I love that I'm hearing like chromatic riffs in punk. That it's not all just like ones, fours, fives, and sixes kind of thing. Yeah. But um, so yeah, opening song, love it. Really, really great. I thought that it was um, really clever, and um, kind of I love the gang vocal kind of thing. All everyone singing all together. That's probably not gang vocals is wrong. No, that that, that, that is that is completely the right term for it. Oh, okay, good, good. I really punk, like that. Uh, punk gang yeah. vocals. It makes me think of a band I should actually give you. Um, uh, I'll try and remember who they are at the moment a bit later. So after that, um, Song Kids, I really, again, love the group vocals. And I like the kind of um, have some subtlety kind of thing. Like yeah. the lyrics are so snide. Um, and, you know, this whole the lyric is like, I don't care about nothing. It's all, again, this very nihilistic yeah the the lyrics like what was the other one um if the world's gonna burn at least we should all have a turn lighting it up kind of thing yeah (laughs) i go all right cool yeah not holding it back um some of the songs like didn't grab me as much like free at last the chorus was cool but like the verses didn't grab me in the same way that kids or um morbid stuff did Mm. um uh, again the lyrics you know see you at your funeral kind of um one 
like, I kind of have written there, like, how old are they? Like, it kind of feels a little bit juvenile. But I guess they're just writing in that style, right? Yeah, and I think you're kind of right. This album is, like, is based around anger and frustration, but it's not an angry record. No, more. It's completely, like, self-mockery in some forms. Yeah, it's almost like a caricature of what an angry punk band would sound like. Yeah, and uh, like I showed you, I have the the vinyl record, and it's you know bubblegum pink. Yeah, and it's got all these like pinatas and like happy things, but there's also like knives in the piano and the back kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of dig that because it it would be a bit a bit fake to be like I don't know in your mid twenties. And singing like this, like it would not really be very genuine. Um, yeah. And so you're kind of putting on a persona in the same way, you know, Alice Cooper does, um, you know, in a different sense, putting on a persona of like, we're a punk band and we're going to sing about the stuff that punk bands sing about, but we're going to have a lot of fun and make really great music that makes you feel like happy at the same time. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment or am I just I, off the kilter? No, I think that's fine. As, as far as I can tell. I mean, I don't know them, so I don't know if that's, if they sure. genuinely write these things. Yeah. From what I t- could tell, Stefan, who's the singer, has a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. I love um, Bloody, Mate, uh, Bloody Mary, Kate and Ashley. Um, <laughs> from memory, it's like really clever. It's very clever lyrically. They're really good melodies, like their vocal melodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sibling rivalry is fantastic. Um, I didn't really connect with City being the last song. It's kind of an unusual soft start, loud ending, and then kind of like stops. And I was like, oh, okay. Didn't really, yeah, didn't really get me. There's mm. a couple of songs that just, it wasn't like it got me in every song from start to finish, but yeah. there were like an overwhelming amount of strong songs on this one for me. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I, th- I think you get a good image of their kind of creative songwriting. Like you have these like classic things that a punk song would use, and they do use them, but in better ways. Um, mm. like the drums and the gang vocals and guitar solos yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. they, but they do them creatively. I think. I remember you talking about these guys when we were talking about Blink-182 <laughs> and how you just think there is such a, so much better than like Blink or other punk bands out there. Maybe. And you're right, like what they're doing is much more mature and well thought out in terms of the music. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate that. I think, I think I didn't give this as many plays as I should. I gave it quite a few, but I think that I would find the like bits of gold in each song had mm. I listened to it just a few more times. But um, what I did here, I really enjoyed. And yeah. yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I really enjoy punk music. Um, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It's just interesting, isn't it? This, um, how it's supposed to be really angry, but often maybe it's just because of the time I listen to, but it makes me nostalgic or makes me feel happy. So. I mean, it's true. But there is also out there some punk that I would consider uninviting. Um, yeah. In in its attitudes, and this is kind of not that. Yeah. I mean, like, do you mean older punk bands? Like, I'm imagining. Some I mean, of the... a lot, a lot of '80s ones. Yeah, but there's some like '90s, 2000s bands that are just really aggro 
in what okay. they want to do. Um, but we yeah, we don't have to talk about them. But they, I think it exists. Okay. Nice. No. Is there anything else you wanted to say about um, pup? No. I yeah, pup are great. They make uh, as I t- told Ash many times, they make great music videos. So should check those out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. I'm with Mitch Jones. Uh, another Bandcamp Friday has come and gone. Yes, much it has. to the sadness of my uh, wallet. Um, so while doing some kind of uh, Bandcamp diving, I came across a Floridian alternative four piece band called Bobby Kid. Floridian? Yes, from Florida. Oh right, gotcha. <laughs> I was like, is uh, this some Middle East, middle like European country? I don't know the name of. Um, yeah, so they they put out a kind of two song uh, EP, uh, and it's really good. I don't, I was quite surprised. I was like, oh, I'll take a listen to this, and it kind of picked up for me all the things I enjoy about like alternative two thousands with a bit of dream pop in there. Um, yeah, it's really really good. I'm really excited to see when they release their next album, what it's going to be like, if it's like this, but this, uh, yeah, this two song little thing is really, really good. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then I spent a lot of time listening to the latest album from Kings of Leon that came out. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Called when you see yourself. Now I am, uh, a Kings of Leon apologist, uh, much like uh, you and I are both early Coldplay apologists, I think they get a bad rap uh, <laughs> after having success with like a couple pop songs. People kind of write them off, but I think Kings of, Leon, Kings of Leon have the potential and often do write some very interesting songs and has some very interesting bass parts, which I quite love. Um, okay, so yeah, this album kind of. Uh, not their best work. It's a lot slower than I was expecting from them, but it does pick up elements of their earlier stuff, which is a little more post rock, uh, sorry, post punk, uh, based. Um, mm-hmm. as you are very aware of the song Charmer, uh, they, yeah. they kind of have those uh big punk rhythms and bass parts with different stuff layered on top of them, and they have some elements of that in this album as well. Okay, that's good. I enjoy that song. Yeah, it's not as good as Charmer. That that is for sure. That song is still much better than this album. Okay, but um, yeah, I didn't think it was worth a full review or an NFT purchase, but it's not bad still. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have millions of dollars. No, I did not, and I was kind of disappointed to see the bass player has gone, has moved on from his usual um, uh, Firebird Gibson to a uh a p bass which i'm kind of sad about um, okay. it doesn't have quite the same tone but um yeah i love that gibson anyway you know my you know one of the craziest i think it might have been my first experience no i knew about some of the singles of um kings of leon but then i think i went to look up a live show and i found the shred of one of their songs do you remember when shreds were were a thing, where <laughs> people re-recorded the music below yeah, just ter- terribly? Yeah. And I saw this, and it was so good. I was actually a bit concerned that this was real. 
Um, it's a, I think Sex is on Fire, but yeah, it's the shred and it's done so well. It's scary. It Anyway, I was like, just looking, I was like, I think this has got to be fake because. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but it's the, very clever. The, um, the follow-all family uh, have been typically pretty harsh with each other. Um, oh yeah. I've seen the doco. Yeah. I've watched yeah. um, Under Talladega Skies, I think. Yeah, so I've I've seen them play live, and I saw I think it was the guitar player cousin. He screwed up a little bit on one of the intro parts, and basically everyone in the band just like kind of looked at him with like laser eyes for a second. So <laughs> if if they screw up a song that badly, I think they'd start hitting each other anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. there's there's shots of Caleb just looking so miffed and like kind of shaking his head, and so it just was perfect that it, like yeah. Anyway. Oh, I'm definitely putting that in the show notes, just so you know. No, that's fair enough. All right. Um, third uh, is the 10th anniversary of the first Shaky Graves album. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know if you've paid much attention. Um, Not very much. I know of them, but yeah, I haven't yeah. listened to them at all, really. So I've liked uh, his music for quite a while. And this 10th album, this first album phase, I listened to quite a bunch 10 years ago. Um, so just be kind of going through this new version and reliving kind of that, uh, his very interesting approach to, uh, like old fashioned roots Americana music with like the one man band and the percussion systems. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, he is very creative in his approach to that kind of style. I think it's quite unique. And so there's a reason this album was quite popular. Um, I remember this album came out and then he came to Vancouver to play and it was sold out. And that like is such a rare occurrence with like a pretty small indie band at the time. Um, people had already like picked up on him being a big thing in the future. Um, yeah. Shaky Graves. Well, maybe I need to properly listen to his work because yeah, I've only given it the tiniest listen ages ago. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, uh, we talked about a little bit last time the um the Australian music playlist that I put together. <laughs> yeah. Um I've actually I've actually been listening to it quite a bit. Um and kind of going through some things. And I have developed a a love for something for Kate that I didn't really have before. Ah, uh, um, yes. They're they're really good. <laughs> I remember my friend Maddie, who we both know, yeah. was totally in for something for Kate. Like he was telling me how good they were and played me a whole bunch of their songs. And they're nice. I it just didn't click with me at the time, but but I've heard that they are very good. Yeah. One of my housemates gave me a CD of theirs a while ago and I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is okay. And then now listening to it the songs that I have in the place, like these are easily my favorite tracks out of this whole thing um, mm. that, currently. And like the, the rhythm's really interesting. The melodies are kind of atypical for that time period. And the, like the vocals are really good. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to probably go into a bit of a deep dive with the stuff like for Kate discography at some point. Now I might be mixing them up. Is the lead singer Katie Noonan? Oh, or is that another band? I do not know. 
Anyway, I might be mixing um, things up a little bit, but I thought that the lead singer went off and did her own stuff. Is it a female vocalist? No, it's, it's, it's a dude. Okay, yeah, I'm mixing things up. Sorry, Katie listeners. Newton. Katie Noonan. Uh... <laughs> That's okay. We can chat about that later on. The Captains? No, don't worry. I'll get back to you on that one. That's okay. You shouldn't ad lib. Don't ad lib. <laughs> I often get the confused with the living end a little bit too, but they are not the same. Who? Who do you get confused with the living end? Something for Kate and the living end to kind of meld together a little bit. What? Well, they're living introduced to like, me at the, at the same time. <laughs> the living end are like, what would you I, call them? Vaudeville, sort of like punk. Yeah, like rockabilly. Um, rockabilly, that's, yeah. Yeah. Big old. Anyway. Double bass. Um, Check it, double bass. We're going to cut most of this. How about you, sir? <laughs> um, so I have just a couple as opposed to last week. Um, uh-huh. So one band that I was contemplating reviewing, but I am, I'm going to save it because I have now pre-ordered their album, um, Squid. I had been listening to a lot of Squid. Now, yep. you mentioned that they came out around the same time as Black Country New Road. And you have seemed to have got me on like a spoken word British <laughs> post-punk sort of train. And I'm really it's, enjoying it. It's the thing that's happening right now. I don't know why, but it is. Yes. So um, there's a new album coming out called Bright Green Field by Squid. And Squid are from the UK and they're from London. They're a five-piece. Um, yeah. And their drummer is the singer, in quotation marks. Um, it's kind of... So in I've written down in my notes, they remind me of a mixture of LCD sound system and the B-52s, um, yeah. like Love Shack, kind of like <laughs> this dramatic sort of like yelled vocals. And they've got this single, which actually was advertised to me on Instagram, and I clicked on it, and I really enjoyed this song. It's called Narrator, and it is a crazy song. It's eight minutes. Yeah. Um, there's an edit version of if you want to listen to just the first part <laughs> because the second part is featuring this guest vocalist and it's a little bit disturbing. She's like doing all this wailing and stuff and it's kind of like really intense. But the gen- the kind of gist of the song is like rock kind of kind of funky music with these like really interesting guitar riffs and this like yelled half spoken, half song sung vocal line on top. And I'm yeah. really enjoying it. It's kind of like yeah. aggressive talking heads to me. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, like, like if David Byrne did a huge chip on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like they're super angry in Squid, but they just got a lot to say and they're saying it passionately. So, yeah. I um, The comment on their video is... Um, it was really interesting. It's the com- top comment on one of their videos was the peak of British engineering, mm. which I thought was very, very clever. Um, a nod to Black Country New Road. Um, and I don't know. I, I just dig it. It's kind of like this crazy sort of feel. Um, and they've got lots of really interesting instrumentation. Like I listen to all the songs on Spotify. They've got lots of singles, but no full album really. And um. Like there's a song called House Plants and they've got Guiro in it. So like they're kind of bringing in all these interesting <laughs> instruments and stuff. So I don't know. I dig it. Check out Squid. Definitely check out Narrator. Check out the edit if you feel like a less weird version. So 
Um, <laughs> just a couple of quick ones. I've been listening to an artist called Amulets again. Um, I've followed his work since he ran a record label a way back called Graveyard Orbit. But um, he's an ambient artist and his new album Blooming is quite beautiful. Quite sad and pensive, lots of strings, but beautiful kind of um, yeah, guitar work and stuff. Um, Sun Lux released a new track from their Tomorrow's 3 album called Vacancy. It's kind of interesting. They've used like samples from some of the other Tomorrow's tracks as the backing. So there's like mm. still pulling references from the different albums into the third. Um, it's, it's a bit more like poppy. So it, yeah, like I think there's a guest vocalist on this one. So they've got some interesting added elements, but okay. it sounds quite cool. Huh. And lastly, um, I don't know if this is too soon, but yesterday, just in the <laughs> afternoon, I realized that Godspeed You Black Emperor's new album is out. And so I bought it blind because it's Godspeed You Black Emperor. And I've listened to it twice and I'm still chewing on it. So I think I'm going to like talk about that next episode a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. But speaking about, yeah, if you're keen, check this out. It's a new Godspeed You Black Emperor album. It's 52 minutes. How many There's songs? Two t- four songs. Okay. Two of them are, they do this kind of thing where they do two songs which are about 20 minutes long and then two songs which are about six or seven minutes long. Sometimes what they do is they have an LP. Uh, like a 12-inch and then a 7-inch for the smaller songs, but I don't know what they've done with this one. It's an interesting <laughs> format that they've done. Um, if you go on Spotify, though, they've divided up the tracks a little bit more, but I kind of like the big version. It's just more interesting to kind of sift through. So anyway, <laughs> check that out. It's called, um, what's it called? God's P at State's End. So there you go. Check it out. A bunch of weirdos. Think, yeah, yeah, I like them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for listening to our one-year anniversary episode Woo! of what we're listening to. What? Um, thank you for listening this far. If you've been listening from episode one, if you are brand new, welcome. I hope you're enjoying uh, our weirdness and finding some new music. Um, you can check us out on socials, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and you can also find us on all your favorite streaming services like Spotify um, and Apple Podcasts and Overcast and all the other rest. If you could leave us a comment um, like a review on Apple Podcasts that would be really handy and please check out our Twitter and socials because we post the playlist for the next episode uh, in the off week so you'll get some good music and then you'll be able to hear us blab about it so Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. See you, Josh. See you, mate. Bye.